0: and a lot of you might go to church. You have been to church before. Some of you have written church off because of how you perceive church, how you think church might be. Um, Maybe you have some bad ideas and some bad experiences with church and um, the the smell of old people in church or the sitting down and standing up and kneeling and then praying, then taking communion and this and that. It's very repetitious. It's Um, Sometimes very traditional, very ritualistic, and uh, a lot of religions, in fact, all of the religions of the world except for one, base you getting to heaven, base you being part of what you just saw in the video, when the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye, you're going to be caught up. Now, we're talking about the end of the world this weekend, so 1 Corinthians 15.52 actually says in the twinkling of an eye. Now I want to define that for you because, you know, the twinkling of an eye is pretty quick. And I want to, I want to tell you what that means. I was doing some research on this and this is pretty scary because when I was born, I, I was basically born in church. I grew up all through church. I was singing in church when I was two years old without permission on stage after the service and all that kind of thing. and, and, I've been in church and it got to me. I got to the point where it was very boring and dry and dead to me, coloring, coloring books in the back row when I was 16 because I wanted more and I was hungry for something more. And, you know, my life goals at that point were to, to go to college, to have sex, to drink alcohol. Those are life goals. And I know that some of you sadly have those as goals today because you don't know what else to do. You don't know where else to turn. And, but the definition, check this out. This is fast. The definition of the twinkling of an eye is this one one hundred thousandth of a second. One one hundred thousandth of a second. And the Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in the twinkling of an eye, God is going to take his people, not everybody, and that may not be you. And the way that you make a decision or make a choice for this evening, it it may never be you because it comes down to a choice and that's a scary thought because you saw in the middle of the Or the towards the beginning of the video when it took a turn and we know that the world is messed up We know that the world is pretty a pretty messed up place to be and to live I want to tell you that I've been praying for you guys since um, Really since last year we did this on April 3rd and 4th and I was praying for a bigger turnout I was praying for uh, new people to be here um, just real quick, if this is your first time here, just say, for me it is. Okay, so it sounds like a couple hundred of you have never, never been here before. So um, let me just say this, because this weekend is called Awake, and it's about the end of the world, and a lot of people would say, what are you talking about? I've had a lot of people ask me, you know when the end of the world is? And they want to know when it is. When is it? Is it going to happen before I graduate? Is it going to happen before this week is over? Is it going to happen before the end of this year? Because they're kind of like, what do I need to do? To prepare for this or as long as I have this knowledge that the end of the world is going to happen like you saw in the video at the very beginning if you had one hour and you knew that the world was going to end in one hour. What would you do and you heard all kinds of different responses now. I want you to picture this just like the video was telling you it's 2010. Everything is going about as normal. Everything is, you know, you're, you're at a game. I, I've heard every single excuse and reason in, in the book why people couldn't be here this weekend. And to be honest with you, I had to say, okay, what can I do about that? If they realized how important this was, there would be nothing more important than to be at this event. To find out. Because the worst thing that can happen is you're going to walk away from this event with more information almost that you can handle. Tomorrow morning is going to be like drinking from a fire hydrant. Imagine that. You're going to get so much information tomorrow morning about what's happening right now in your world, in your community, in your county. And it's all going to be backed by the Bible. The book that has been neglected and shelved and just compiled dust for years because people just say oh, it was just a bunch of fables and stories it was written by men but i don't believe that and i'm sorry but you're wrong you are wrong and that challenges some of you and that is what we are here to do this weekend is to get in your face i am not at school i am not handcuffed this is god's turf and i will say what god is telling me to say to you this weekend is that okay with you Now, listen very carefully. I know that people are fascinated with the future. Paranormals and all the shows and UFOs and and science fiction and all that kind of stuff. It kind of weirds you out and freaks you out, right? And you want to know what the future has in store. And we get kind of freaked out about this stuff. Some people said, I'm not going to that event because it's too scary. They don't want to face the reality that the end is coming. I'm a science teacher, and I will tell you there are laws, scientific laws, that state everything comes to an end. So for someone to look at me and say, the world's not going to end, that is someone who knows nothing. You understand that. They know absolutely nothing. They I do scientific proof. They won't even listen to science because of their hard heart. I am speaking to maybe you. So listen very carefully. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. This is intense because we are wired as people. We are wired this way. He, capital H, that's God. God is not a tree. God is not just this aroma or mist. God is not something that you maybe have made or created God to be in your mind. God is majestic. He is powerful. He created the heavens and the earth and every star. He spoke and breathed into existence. He knows them all by name and he knows every hair on your head, how many there are. That's the kind of God that you have the choice to serve or to turn your back on. Now we're talking about the rapture. We're talking about tonight's session is called Captured Heart. We're going to talk about has God captured your heart? And we're going to tell you if he has or hasn't because it's very obvious if he has captured your heart. Now watch this. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has also set eternity in the hearts of men. He's created us to think about eternity. He's created us to think about the everlasting. He's created us to think about after death. You do not just die and return to dust. If you think that, you're wrong. We are in your face this weekend. You are wrong. There is no philosopher or intellectual type of person that convinced me or persuade me otherwise because I know God and I've met with Him and I meet with Him daily and it's real. It's real. And you can have that or you can say, and you can leave and walk away and this weekend is a waste, an absolute waste of your time. But I can only pray that the Bible, the words that are coming from the Bible tonight, will land on a heart that is soft enough you might have situations in your life relationships and addictions and drugs and broken homes and families and divorce and suicidal thoughts i had two girls come to me today and said that they were worried about a guy who always comes to school and he's been talking about suicide and he wasn't there today that's scary that's scary well why is that he doesn't no, the love of God and his heart has not been captured. That's why we're setting up this place for you this weekend. $30,000 for this event is for you. It's for you. It's for Zanesville. They can turn their back and run and a lot have, but you showed up. You showed up. Turn to someone and say, you showed up. Now listen, the question is this, and I want everybody to look at me in the eye because I have a question for you. Are you ever ready all the time, all the time ready. Are you ever ready for the ever after? Are you, you know what? Cause you know, and they lived happily ever after. Some don't. In fact, the Bible says, listen to this, this may not even seem fair to you. The Bible says most don't the majority. Is that scary or what? Now listen to this. We like to read books. We like to skip ahead to the end. We like to read the back cover for reports. Can I get an amen? So you don't have to go through the whole thing and just kind of write down what you see on the back cover. Well, we like to skip ahead and see what happens because we start to read and We're like, oh, we know to know what happens with this main character. So you skip ahead. But guess what? In the Bible, if you skip ahead and you love God and his blood is on you and you believe in the cross and the death and the resurrection and he has a plan for you and you turn and repent from your sin and you live for him and you're not shaken by the littlest dumbest thing that comes down the pike and you're always into the newest thing and being sidetracked and your heart has been captured by God and you're living for him forever and you're not turning to the left or to the right you have a happy ending and it's okay because at the end of my Bible we win do you understand that now listen some of you do not some of you will not The majority, I mean, the statistics say that a million people die a week and go to hell in this world. A million a week. What are we doing? What are we doing? If you are here because a friend brought you and you were drugged here tonight or whatever, I'm just asking you to listen. Just listen. Just check this out. Sit up straight. Don't slouch. Don't roll your eyes. Check this out because God will choose how he wants to wake you up. That could be scary or that could be in a way where you actually listen. And God gets a hold of you and you respond because you have a choice. You will not be forced or made to do anything this weekend. You have a choice and that's how God has created you. As Christians, looking forward to the end is something that we don't do very much because we are sidetracked by other things. And my question is, are we really even Christians? Because when I think of the end of the world, when I think that I get to see face to face, and some of you won't, but I do because I know where I'm at with God. I get to see my Creator face to face who sent His Son to die for me and to look in those eyes of fire, those eyes of compassion, and I get to spend eternity with Him forever. That's what I'm looking forward to. My home is not this earth. This earth, the Bible says, is His footstool. He's just resting His feet on it. He's waiting. He chose this planet, no other planet. For God so love the world, He came here to die for us. And we can either neglect that reject that, ignore that, or we can receive it, we can accept it, we can commit to it, we can follow Him, and our lives can be changed forever. But that's a choice. So you can be scared. A lot of people are scared about the end of the world. Some people don't know when it's going to be, and that's okay, because the Bible says that no man knows. Well, so I would tell you tonight that although all these things have been debated that through history, that's very mysterious, I want to make it clear to you tonight that I, your speaker for the weekend, I don't know when it's going to happen. But you're going to get all kinds of information tomorrow that's going to make you drop jaw the entire session. You will not believe the information that you will get tomorrow morning. So please come back. Cancel your plans. It's this important. I'm serious. I'm asking you to cancel your plans. Unless you have a funeral or someone's in the hospital, you need to be here and you need to go out and invite other people. Now listen very carefully. Don't get caught up this weekend. And the how and why and when is it going to happen and why we deserve this and how and, 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 and all that kind of thing. Please don't get caught up in that. Everybody say data. Everyone say data. Some say data. Some say data. We're going to call it data because it rhymes with the next word. We get caught up in this and this is what doesn't matter. Everyone say data. That doesn't matter. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a lot of stuff that we debate, we argue over, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And then we get our minds all messed up. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't matter about the end of the world. Some of the movies out there really excite you. Instead of getting caught up in the data that don't matter, you need to get caught up in the who, the you, and the what you're supposed to do. Amen? (laughs) Now listen to me. Who? Who's this about? This is about you. Who's he coming back for? You, maybe. If that's you and what you're supposed to do, well, how do I do this? There's people throughout history who have questioned this. So what, what I want to do real quick is we, we have a lot of like um, we have a lot of movies that talk about the end of the world or display like you saw in the video display apocalyptic visuals of the end happening and all that kind of thing. If we could get a, a, just a house lights barely up just a little bit. I want to ask you guys some questions. I'll come down here. Uh, if If you know like a movie, a movie that talks about the end of the world, just uh, raise your hand and and, I'll, and just you just tell me that movie. all right? Someone who really knows like a title of a movie. all right I'm gonna let you what's the title? I don't know either. The title of a movie.
1: Apocalypto Apocalypto.
0: Anyone seen that? Okay, anybody else? A title? Do you have a title? Anybody?
1: Left Behind.
0: Okay. All right. Anybody seen that? A title. Any other titles? Be certain. Yes, sir.
1: 2012.
0: Anybody seen 2012? 2012. Any other movie titles that talk about uh, the end of the world or alien abduction and scientific stuff or whatever? Give me a title. Somebody give me a title. Who else? Yes, sir. The day after tomorrow. Yeah, who's seen that before? The day after tomorrow. Okay, a couple more. Any more?
1: Constantine.
0: Constantine. Okay. One more over here. Knowing. 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 You guys guessed quite a few of them. But, uh, okay, so check this out. Here's a couple that I thought of. Um, Independence Day. Uh, War of the World, War of the Worlds, Knowing, Deep Impact, Armageddon, 2012, I Am Legend, Cloverfield, The Sum of All Fears, The Day After Tomorrow, Apocalypto, Apocalypse 10.5, Twister, just all kinds of like natural disasters and things happening about the end of the world. So you see these big these uh, asteroids and meteors and comments and all these things heading right towards our planet. And there's always a group of people who have to be the heroes and go to it and drill it and break it apart so we don't all die. And then they hit the ocean and create tsunamis that take out cities. And you know what? As moviegoers, we like that stuff. But if that were to actually happen, we we, we think about like school shootings. If that were to actually happen, where somebody would take uh, guns and uh, ammunition and and um Uh, arm themselves and go into a school and take out 50 people in a lunchroom and now listen and their bodies They're dead. They're your friends. They're your boyfriends. They're your girlfriends and they're dead That would not be funny. That would not be entertaining So this the the end of the world and what we're talking about in the movies the movies make it seem like it's nice They have special effects and it's kind of cool but if this were to really happen We would be running around not knowing what to do, and it would be very scary. And that's why it scares us, because life as we know it, and the world as we know it, would absolutely end. Now, as we talk about movies, you guys know the the director and the creator of Star Wars, this guy George Lucas. You guys know who that is? Yeah, who likes Star Wars? Okay, well, George Lucas says this. He says, quote, the church used to be more powerful than the movies, but now it's clear it's the other way around. The movies are much more powerful than the church. That's what he says, and he created Star Wars, amongst other huge movies. In fact, and I know, listen, I don't, I'm going to challenge you. I don't want you to cheer at the next slide. Okay? That is your challenge. Do not cheer at the next slide, because what, it, what is said here is blasphemy. And blasphemy is taking something that God sent us to do and attributing that to something else. This is from the producer of the movie Twilight. Don't cheer. It says this, people would kill to be in a position reaching as many people as we do. They would kill to be in that position. Twilight says that. You know what? Sadly, they're right. They're absolutely right. But do you understand, even though this is a huge hit movie, they're saying people all over the world. I mean, this is what God told us to do to reach his people. We're letting them do it through fantasy and fairy tale and all kinds of stuff. And we're entertained by it. Not entertained, but edutained. It's our edutainment education and entertainment, both. We get, our, we get all of our values and all that stuff from the movies now, and that's why the world is ending rapidly. We're gonna, this is going to get intense this weekend. Now listen. People all through history have attempted to guess, prophesy, the world's going to end at this time and predict when the end of the world is going to happen. The Mayans, 2012, December 21st, on the winter solstice, it's going to end. Nostradamus, the psychic who, by the way, most of his predictions were after he died by someone else. And we believe it. And we get scared. 1988, they predicted the world to end. And the reason why they predicted the world to end in 1988 was because that was 40 years after Israel. And we're going to learn about this tomorrow. And it's going to just mess you up. Because Israel became a state and regained their territory in 1948. So they thought, according to a 40-year generation, that it was going to end in 1988. And once again, that was man saying it's going to end. And guess what? It didn't. And every time man says it's going to end and it doesn't, we're just like, whatever, man. We're we're not going to get into it. You were wrong again. Party time. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like the boy who cried wolf. We're in trouble. So when it really happens, we're going to be caught off guard because that's what the Bible says about it. Y2K, where everybody said, hey, buy duct tape and plastic. Save yourselves. Yeah, that'll help. That'll help. That was the remedy. That was the answer for Y2K. 1999 turning 2000. Get duct tape and plastic. Wrap your homes. Real safe. That'll protect me from the the meteor that's heading towards our planet, bigger than our planet. Duct tape and plastic. Street corner people. You ever seen people like this? The end is near. Sometimes, a lot of times, and this is why we don't freak out, because these are sometimes people that are weirdos, that are freaks. They don't know. They're freaking out. They're trying to predict things themselves. They're trying to make a name for themselves. Very rarely are they people that really mean what they're doing in a sincere way, as in a genuine way. And we have all these people on streets demonstrating about, we're supposed to be in the streets with the truth and the love to the lost and the least of these, all the people that are out there telling them about truth. But we don't even believe it ourselves, and I'm going to prove that to you this weekend as well. Now, we we you understand that some people are upset at the idea at the end of the world. We make plans. We have boyfriends. We have girlfriends. We want to, you know. When I was younger, I always I always thought because I'm I'm human. That's what we're humans, and I wanted to I wanted to have sex before the end of the world. I, I did. But you understand that. That may not happen for some of you. That doesn't mean go rush out and do it. That means save yourself for the one God has saved for you. So God, when you're on judgment day, it's not a bad judgment. Because tomorrow night, oh, tomorrow night we're going to talk about judgment. Judgment. Everyone says, don't judge me. Don't judge me. You know what? God's going to judge you. And that day for some of us is going to be the scariest day in history. And it's not going to be pretty the Bible says, the majority. My heart breaks for people who don't get it, who snub their nose, who roll their eyes, because they don't know. They don't know. So we make plans. We want boyfriends, girlfriends. We want to know what college we're going to go to, what house we're going to live in, what pet we're going to have, what job we're going to have, what car we're going to drive. We want to travel and see the world. We want to have kids. We want to name them. We start naming kids with our first boyfriend and girlfriend, but then our hearts ripped out of our chest, broken, left on the floor in a million pieces. And then we got to find another boyfriend or girlfriend to start naming kids with. And then that's over. And you give away bits and pieces of your heart, and you're destroyed. Because we don't know. We don't know. This weekend, you're going to know and you're going to have a choice. Now, listen, we, we got to keep our priorities straight. I want to go over a couple uh, of songs with you, actually. You guys are familiar with the song. Uh, it's the end of the world as we know it. And then it says this. And I feel fine. Are you serious? I mean, if that was real, think about this. If that was real, these people have no idea who wrote this song, because if it was the end of the world, even to the Christian, there is a fear even that Christians have because they have to bow their knee to the God that has eyes of fire and the ability. The Bible says, don't fear. You don't have to fear anything. But God even says a bunch of times, do not fear. He commands it. But you know what? The Bible says at the end of the world, when you're being judged before God, he says, fear him. Who is able to cast both body and soul into hell. Yet I say, fear him. That's intense. That's a God who is so holy, who loves you so much that he made a way for you to be with him. And we're going to talk about that. But that song, It's the End of the World as We Know It, I Feel Fine, was was actually put out in 1987 by R.E.M. 1987. That was the year before they said the world was going to end in 1988. So they're inducing this panic, this rush that the world is going to end. And they put songs out about it, all these big bands, and they're talking about it. It's the end of the world as we know it. We feel fine. It's all good. We're planning on that world ending next year. And that was 88. What, what was that? 20, 22 years ago? Nothing's happened yet, which causes us to be numb. And we will say, it's never going to happen. We won't see it in our lifetime. I'm living it up. You're going to be hit in the face with some hardcore truth tonight and this weekend. There's a song by Prince called 1999. I want to read a few lyrics because I think that this is important. It actually says, here, I'm going to read a few lyrics. Prince 1999, it says, I was dreaming when I wrote this. Forgive me if I go astray. But when I woke up this morning, could have sworn it was judgment day. This is like a mockery. This is a joke. Because check this out. The sky was all purple. There were people running everywhere, trying to run from the destruction. You know, I didn't even care. That's a heart condition. That's an attitude. And I know that some of you in this room have it, that attitude. And it says this, because they say 2000 party over, oops, out of time. And then they say, so tonight I'm going to party like it's 1999. That wasn't written in 99, but they were already making plans to party like it was 1999. What's that mean? Well, it goes on and it says, again, I was dreaming when I wrote this, so sue me if I go too fast. But life is just a party and parties weren't meant to last. Everyone says life is just a big party. We're going to drink beer and have a party in hell, too. It just continues. Yeah. Yeah. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. You don't know God, if that's what you think. Justice will be served. God is a too good of a God. he does what's right. But he loves you and weeps at the fact that you would reject him. Cries over you. Prays for you. Did you know that the Bible says Jesus intercedes at the right hand of the Father, which means Jesus himself, the one who died for you, is praying for you right now this very night at the event of restoration in Zanesville. Awake, praying for you and your heart and your soul. God himself is praying for you. That's the best prayer there is. My wife prays for me. My pastor prays for me. My friends pray for me. But God prays for me. It goes on and it says, War is all around us. My mind stays prepared to fight. So if i got to die, I'm going to listen to my body tonight. In other words, get wasted, have sex. I heard somebody texted me before the event. I got about a thousand texts. Thanks for letting me concentrate. But, um, Someone texted me before the event and they said that there were people getting high before the event. So there's probably some of you in here that are high right now. And some of you think that's funny. And, you know, I, there's probably a lot of people that are saved and know God and love God right now, even tonight, that maybe we're like you. But sorry, you don't know. And sorry again, you're wrong. You don't have life figured out. And maybe that's why you're smoking. Because you're miserable and you're sad. It's going to get even more truthful tonight. I was told again, you're the extreme generation. You either want it uncut and raw, or you want me to candy coat it, sugar coat it, water it down, and tell you pretty little things. Anybody want me to do that? Make sure life. It, who thinks life is just awesome all the time? I don't. Anybody else think it is just all the time, every single second of the day, your life is good? It's not. It's not because the Bible promises you that life will not be good. Isn't that nice of the Bible? Nice of God, you will have trials and tribulations. In fact, I just went through a three-month trial that nobody knew about for the first two and a half months of it. I might talk to you a little bit about that tonight. It almost ripped my heart out. It had me just going crazy. I didn't tell anybody. I kept it in. I just prayed and, and prayed and prayed. And um, there's another song called Eve of Destruction by the Turtles. And These are old. I understand that. But these are just people like saying... It's the eve of destruction. Tomorrow we're going to die. It's all, it's all over. There's another song by Jimi Hendrix that's called Third Stone from the Sun, talking about the earth and the end of the world. And then if you can't get any more forward than this, there's a number by uh, a song by Iron Maiden called The Number of the Beast. And it says, actually, the number of the beast. It actually says the number 666, which was, you know what? You know what's kind of funny? Somebody sent me, I believe, a picture text and um, a couple of days ago, and they said... All those Facebook invitations that you sent out for this event, <laughs> it said, I don't know who that was. If you're here, it's all good. You don't have to make yourself known. But it, they did like a, a, a screenshot on their on their phone or something and sent it to me. Or they took a picture of it or whatever it was. And um, on the, oh, wait, you know how you go to an event and you click not attending, maybe attending or, um, or maybe or not or you're attending or whatever. And it says, it said people that. We were waiting on to respond, 666. We were waiting on to respond, 666. And that was just like yesterday. That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's kind of weird that 666 people, and I thought, man, that's Satan's number. It says in the Bible over and over again. And those are people that are just not responding. But that's not you tonight. That's not you. You chose to be here. Or maybe you didn't, but you're going to be glad that you came. Or mad. It could be either one. It just depends on the choice that you make. Now listen very carefully. The rapture. The rapture is an event. The rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but it talks about in the twinkling of an eye, you're going to be caught up. And you're going to meet the Lord in the air. This is like the day that Christians look forward to. When I say Christians, I'm not talking about Catholicism. Catholicism could be Christians. There's this, there's, you could be saved if you're Catholic. Um, but I'm not talking about old school Christianity, Roman Catholic. I'm talking about Christianity, and not the Christianity that you might perceive as weird and dead and hypocritical of people that call themselves Christians and they mess that all up and then it turns you off and then you go to church and you're bored. I'm talking about a real live Christian. They called themselves Christians because it means Christ-like, and they followed around. They followed Jesus around. They're like, man, that dude, that dude is Christ-like. Those disciples, we're going to label them Christians, Christ-like, because they're so much like Christ. And that's where they came up with that name. They didn't go to like a. A board, a board meeting, and try to come up with strategies, and come up with different names. They called them that because they were little Christ's. They were just like Jesus, the most perfect man, sinless man who ever lived. Now, um, I want to I want to bring something out because you know something that we don't like to talk about. One of the probably the main things we don't like to talk about is is death. And um, I was able to borrow this. If you guys can go ahead and roll that out, so we use this at funerals, obviously. Um, you know, this, this scripture that I'm about to read is for the believers. And um, this is one of the worst feelings in the world when you go to a funeral and you have to look at your loved one. And I've been to a number of funerals even this past year and I've had people, uh, there's been people, a lot of people die. Um, uh, people's grandparents, aunts and uncles. And I just had a person come to me this week and said, I can't make it because uh, we're burying whatever it was, a relative. And um, I said, okay. That's fine, and that's obviously respectable that, um, that you would do that. But this is um, obviously a coffin, and, you know, you go up to a funeral, and you stand, and you walk through, and you shake hands, and you hug, and you go up here. And if they're very close to you, then um, you might spend a little bit of time here. and You might look at pictures or flower arrangements and that type of thing. And, you know, obviously, we need to awake. We're going to talk about the meaning of this. Um but you know this may be what some bodies look like in the ground decomposed but there's a reason why this is in here tonight but at funerals it's very sad it's very emotional especially if those people were close to you but if they're not you just go out of respect and you shake hands you hug and you leave and you're not there very long but um it, th- these are some scriptures that are read at funerals and I want you to listen to this 1st Thessalonians 4:16 says this through 18 for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout This is referring to the event called the rapture where God takes His people out in the twinkling of an eye, leaving everybody else that doesn't know God, love God, want God, anything to do with God, behind. Okay? And this is an event that's going to happen. I believe personally, and you can ask anybody that spends any time with God or in their word, you wouldn't know this if you don't. The Spirit of God makes this known to His people. And um, it says... With the commanding shout, with the call, as or of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, first, all the Christians who have died, check this out, will rise from their graves. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with Him forever. Then it says this, because I've conducted funerals, I've been that guy who had to deal with weeping families and go to the grave site and, and and facilitate the casket going into the ground as people are weeping and speaking to them at the funeral as they weep, trying to give them encouragement, not knowing the spiritual state of the person that is in the casket at times. And that's a scary thing because when ministers do that, they don't know what to say. You can't concentrate on the people that are in the casket because you might not know where they went when they died. But you can concentrate on offering peace and comfort to those who are left, to those that are the survived, saying that God is the only way and the only one who will get you through this. People have relatives die years and years ago, and they're still just heartbroken over it. God is the only one who can do it. But it says at the end of that verse, it says, so comfort and encourage each other with these words. But this verse is for believers. Comfort those who are left behind with the fact that the one who died went to heaven. How are you supposed to comfort those left behind for someone who maybe didn't go to heaven? Because of the way they lived their life and rejected Jesus Christ all through their life. How are you going to comfort them? That scripture is for believers. To encourage them that one day, that person that died is going to be called out of their grave even before us that are living to meet God. And then we'll follow after the ones that are in their caskets in the grave six feet under. They'll be first. Is this crazy or what? This is truth. And if you think, nah, mark the Word of God And what I'm saying to you by Him, it's going to happen. You will possibly witness this and be part of this, your generation. It's very close. So these are only for believers and for people who bear fruit of the Christian walk, of a relationship with the Lord. Now it says this, and John 14:1 through3 says this, this is something else we use at funerals. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house, there are many mansions. Picture heaven? There are many mansions, the Bible says, in heaven. And then God goes on and he says, "If it were not so, if that weren't true, then I wouldn't have told you that. I mean, I'm going to have my own mansion in heaven. But you might not. If I would have died when I was sixteen or I wouldn't have. But I made a decision my sophomore year in high school when I was sixteen to let God in and change me. I didn't have to. It's hard when you're part of the maybe part of the in crowd, which is all stupid anyway, and you play sports and you're involved and there's parties and there's stuff going on. It's hard, but it's really easy to live that lifestyle. It's easy. The easiest life you can live. But the Bible says that the way of a transgressor, the way of a sinner, it's hard. It's really hard. It takes a toll on you. Sin messes people up. It makes them look like they're 60 when they're 30 because they've lived a hard life. And it messes you up. Now it says this, God says this, I go to prepare a place for you And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That's encouraging for me, for people who believe, for people who are bearing fruit, for people who are living for God. But it's not encouraging for those who are not. You're in trouble. That's what the Bible says. It says, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. That's another scripture we use at funerals. But that's not true for some. This is a great love story for the believer. A great love story for the believer. Ezekiel thirty-seven, twelve through 14 says, Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, God, I, oh my people, I am going to look, watch this, open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. How powerful is that? You're gonna know that I'm the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. There is not gonna be a mistake. Nobody else can do that. The dead in Christ are not gonna be buried six feet under and their spirits gone already in eternity in heaven and all this stuff. There's gonna be an unbelievable collision of their spirits that have gone on in their bodies, boom, and it's going to go, and they're going to meet the Lord in the air. Then they're going to come back and get the rest of us that remain. What a crazy reunion. That sounds weird. I mean, you think the Hollywood writers are creative? Did you hear that? I mean, and it says you're going to know that I'm God because when I open your graves. No one else can do that. In fact, his voice is so powerful, if anyone remembers the story of Lazarus, where he specifically says, Lazarus, come forth. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. Some people say that if he just would have said, come forth, every person that have ever died in history would have had to command his voice and come out of their graves. Everyone who had ever died, because that's how powerful God is. God. Now listen to this. It continues, it says in verse 14, I will put my spirit in you. I'm not just going to stop at raising you. I'm going to put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord and I have spoken because I have done it. Because I have done it. He's going to return for those who love him. Well, I love God. No, because love moves you. You cannot say you just love God. Love moves you. If I tell my wife, I love you, and I never spend time with her, never get her anything, never compliment her, never take her places, I don't love her. But, but I said, sh- words are different than actions. Amen. Now listen to this. He will return for those who love him and only the ones whose hearts have been captured by him. He is not coming back for the sinner who has not been forgiven, who doesn't know God, who rejects God. He's not coming back for you. You understand? You're scaring me. Is this a scare tactic? Are you trying to scare us into heaven? I've been told that for months trying to prepare for this event. People that believe that way, maybe they have been fooled with other preachers. But I don't think those people that say that know God. God is love. God is love. That's spoken to a bum on the street every day and all those bums are still living in sin. Jesus loves you, man. The Bible says to turn from your sin. Turn. You will make mistakes. But you must be quick to repent and be broken over it. I'm going to tell you a little story. It's a parable about ten virgins. And this is pretty crazy. It says, Matthew twenty five, at the time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. This is a story, a parable kind of we're relating it to that. It says, At the time of the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. The bride the groom was coming back to get a, a wife and to get that's like Jesus coming back to get his people. Five of those ten were foolish and five of them were wise. And in today's culture, today's world in America, in this county that we live in, I would say more like one was wise and nine were foolish. That's the way it is. But I believe God has his people planted in different places. But we don't know it. Something has to be going on behind the scenes. If it's not, we're in trouble. Because if you walk by what you see and all the stuff that's going on in the world... Kind of freaks you out a little bit, doesn't it? So look, five were wise, five were foolish. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. So how are they going to keep their lamps burning if they don't take oil with them? The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. Smart. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Awake. They fell asleep. Just like when Jesus was in the garden before he was crucified and he says, disciples, pray one hour. Disciples fell asleep. We have got to awake. We have got to awake. So it says he was a long time. So she said, he's not coming back. I can do what I want. We'll do whatever we want. Yeah, right. He's come back in 1988. It's been so 22 years, whatever. And I've grown this much. I've aged 10 years, 20 years. I'm doing what I want. But look, he was a long time coming. But look, at midnight, the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. He's back. And when all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps, because back in the day, the lamps, to keep these things burning, they had these wicks. If you didn't keep them trimmed, they would go out. So they had to have their own oil and they had to keep their lamps trimmed. And if they didn't, they would go out. So they were trimming their lamps and keeping them up to keep their lamps burning. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. The foolish ones trying to trying to piggyback on the people that are doing what they're supposed to be doing. You who live in sin, you who aren't right with God, you who continue to do what you want and be your own God and make the shots, call the shots, make your own decisions, spit in the face of God with your actions You're trying to ride off of somebody else's relationship with God. Well, he he went to heaven. Why not? Because you didn't keep your lamp trimmed. You didn't do anything. You were living in a way contrary to the word of God. And it says the virgins, uh it says um, verse nine, no. The people like the people who are Christians, the believers, are like, No, they reply, there may not be enough for both us and you. We we did this, we maintained our own relationship with God. You're not getting in on this. This is ours. And if we give you some, there's not enough for us. And this is this is important to us. You're just trying to go along for the ride and do this at the end. Well, surely on my deathbed, if I give my heart to God at the end, I can live how I want to. You have that mindset. You're not going to heaven. You understand that? But if it's a broken, it's a contrite spirit, you're broken and you're weeping over the sin that you have committed that God died for. God is a God of mercy. A God of grace, a God of love, who will forgive and forgive and forgive. There is nothing that you can do that God will not forgive you of. Do you understand that? And he says, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. So they went out last minute and tried to go get some. And while they were gone getting their own oil... He came back and boom, they're gone and they're they're left behind because they didn't do it when they were when they were told to do it. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. This will be some of you on Judgment Day. Please, God, let me in, please. I didn't mean you meant to do it. You had choice after choice. Please let me in. I tell you the truth. This is this will be God. I don't know you. And it says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So it's going to come because the Bible says this: when you least expect it, in the twinkling of an eye, in one one hundred thousandth of a second. That's faster than you can blink. That's unbelievably fast. And boom, you're going to be. Listen to this. Matthew 24. When's it going to happen? So many students have come up to me this week. Mr. King, when's it going to happen? Is it going to happen this? I don't know. But listen to this. Matthew 24, 12, and 13 says, Because of the increase of wickedness, my how has wickedness increased? The love of most will grow cold. There's not a whole lot of love in our world. But every Miss America contestant, everybody who's optimistic and positive, World peace and love for everyone and save this and love and love hippies and peace signs. And you know, the peace signs and upside down broken cross. That's a mockery of God. Some of you didn't know that. Some of you might be wearing it tonight. There's a lot we don't know. There's a lot we don't know because it's a worldly peace. It's a peace that the world can't give that God is talking about. God says, I'm the prince of peace. But we have a worldly peace. We don't know peace. We can't sleep at night. And it says this, but he who stands firm and endures to the end will be saved. The word endure, that's like a life fight. Why'd well, you that on my deathbed. No, it's endure. You didn't go through anything. You didn't go through anything for God when hard times came. Sometimes when hard times come, you turn your back on God. No, you endure through it. It says no one knows the day or the hour. Not even the angels in heaven know the day or the hour. Not even Jesus knows the hour, but only the Father. God Himself. And I'm telling you, if God has an hourglass or something, I bet there's only a few grains left. Now, it says this. (laughs) This is reality. 40-44 through says, Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other one left. The one that will be taken is who, someone whose heart has been captured by God. The other one did not have a captured heart in the love of God. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill so that two men, women might be working side by side. One will be taken and the other left. And boom, the other person will look. They're gone. That will happen. It will happen. Some of your parents, you, it's not fables, fairy tales. You will be in school. That's a modern day translation. Two of you will be in school sitting in math and boom, some of them will disappear. Where are they? It's not alien abduction. It's not nuclear warfare or radiation. It's God. It's God coming back for His... What will the people that have gone and got vanished in the twinkling of an eye, what will they have in common? They were God's. They were Christians. They were bought with the price of Jesus' spilt blood. And they followed Him. And maybe you made fun of them, but they're going to be gone with the lover of their soul. And you will be left cursing this night. The night you heard about it and didn't do anything about it. You'll curse it. And then you'll cry. Then you'll freak out. And you don't know what to do. But then you'll remember, oh, like you saw in the video there, even the people in church. How many know, give me a shout, if you know some fake Christians say, I do. Doesn't that anger you? Because they're ruining the way God is. They ruin it. Since when do you put your trust in men and women and people? You can't. They fail. I can't put all my trust in my wife. She's not perfect. Only God can take care of me fully. It says, therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day of the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of a house had known what time the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not let his house be broken into. If you knew, but most of the time you're asleep, it's dark, the thief gets in, takes what he wants and leaves. That's how God's going to come back. That's not very encouraging because that means you're not going to be ready. Or will you be? But he's going to catch you off guard. When you least expect it. I've had moments in my life where I thought for sure, this has got to be it. When Israel starts going to war and when all these talks. Tomorrow morning is going to blow you away and it's going to make this real to you. It's going to make it realistic to you about what's going on and why we're close. Do not miss tomorrow morning. Doors open at 9.30. Be here at 10.00. Another youth pastor is going to be speaking for 20 to 30 minutes. And then at 1030, we're going to jump back in some music with the Hearts of Saints. And then it's going to be unleashed. All the stuff that you have to know. You have to know. Data that matters. All right? Now check this out. It says, um, the only way for you to be a part of this event, for you to be part of this rapture, The only way for that to happen is for you to see your sin as God sees it. You cannot conquer your addictions. You cannot defeat sin. You cannot destroy the bitterness and anger and resentment you feel towards a parent or a friend for messing you up and being divorced. And a a girlfriend or boyfriend cheating on you or all these various things that rip your heart out and you're left picking up the pieces and all this sin that creeps in, the gossip, the drama, the, all the things that separate you from God. You cannot defeat it. You cannot beat it unless you treat it how God treats it. You cannot treat sin like a cream puff. you got to treat it like a rattlesnake. Kill it. You will be defeated. Isn't it encouraging to know that you will fail tomorrow? That you will fail the next day? That's what we were humans. You will not defeat your sin in the past or the present that haunts your mind as you go to sleep at night. You will not defeat it or have freedom from it until you treat it and see it for what it is. You must have a deep desire to repent. Then you must believe in Him, capital H. His Word. You have to read it. Where does it say that? The Bible says to seek ye out of the book and read. Read it. You don't have to read your Bible to be saved. Yes, you must grow. You have to grow because if you're not growing, you're staying the same. And that's not what God says. And then you become weak and then you fail and then you give in. And before you know it, you're back to the way you were. It's one of the greatest love stories ever told. You must continue to cultivate a relationship of love for the rest of eternity. See, we hate consequences, but we love sin. We love sex, but we hate the fact that there could be disease and pregnancy Premaritally, primar- We hate that, but we love sec- premarital sex, oral sex, the things that would turn us on, the generation, if it feels good, do it. Listen to me. You don't know that that separates you from God. No one in this room I know, if they knew it was real, you might laugh, roll your eyes, joke, and mock. The Bible says God is not mocked. And on Judgment Day, it's going to be an ugly picture for you who laugh and mock and say, I can do what I want. That's not what God says. But I'm very glad for a merciful, loving God. Sometimes Christians who aren't living a Christian life and they're sitting on a fence and giving God a bad name, actually love sin and they're jealous of it. They try to say, don't sin, come to church, give your life to God, but they're actually jealous of the way you live because they want to have fun and sin too. Those aren't real Christians. Real Christians have been set apart and they have a love for God that's unbelievable. Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous, no, not one, but I can be good enough to get that. No, you can't be good enough. That would take away what God did on the cross through His Son and a gift. It's a free gift. Nothing's free, man. It didn't. It wasn't cheap, but it's a free gift to you. Some of you were here last year and didn't change. You left and it was just an event. You walked away. Nothing has changed. Nothing. And you're back, but you don't know why. Maybe you're for a friend and you're rolling your eyes again because you know you're not going to change. Maybe A, because you can't do it. That's right, you can't do it. So... There is none righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. Isaiah 64, 6 says all of our righteousness, all the goodness that we can conjure up, all the greatness. But I've done this and this and fed the poor and did charities and did all this. The Bible says that all the greatness in the world, even by Mother Teresa, says that her righteousness is as filthy rags to God. That's how good God is. That Mother Teresa's deeds are as filthy rags. That's the standard God has. That can only be met through His blood and the gift and what happened at the cross. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person has sinned. Luke 5.32 says, This is God. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That might be you. If you're thinking, "Why I go to church. That doesn't mean you're a Christian. Some of you hate going to church and call yourself a Christian. Some of you think it's dead. Some of you have never picked up a Bible. Some of you read a few words and thought it was boring with all the these and thous. There's different versions. You're not willing. You don't like God. You don't want God. You've never had an experience and an encounter with God. It was all emotional goosebumps. You don't know my God. The people that know God in here it's different. It's real. It's not what people say that it is. Some of you have been struggling. Some of you are reading books You're trying to find your way. Some of you are like, oh, I need to change. I need to change. You can't change on your own. You can't. It's a life of misery because you fail every day. The Bible says in Matthew 4.17, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark 1, 14 and 15 says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. <laughs> repent first, then believe. Some people say, just believe and you'll be saved. That's not what this is saying. Repent. Watch this. Luke 13, 3. Except ye, repent, you'll perish. God's too holy. Not because he's mean. God is not mean. The price was great that he paid for you to be reunited with his love. That is you. That's you. And it says this. Repent means to turn around. Some people always say when they're preaching, it means to do a 180. It's an old military term. Repent. And they turn and they go the other way. Go to the world. Repent. Now I'm going towards the cross. But you have to understand that that's not only what it means because there's other Definitions that I've found, it means to turn around, to go the opposite direction. In the Greek, it means to change one's mind. Repent, to feel remorse and actually self-reproach and a disgust for sin against God. If you don't feel like that, because every time we sin and do something wrong, it's like crucifying Jesus all over again. We don't have a hatred for sin. That's why we love it and we're living in it. And the majority of your friends right now are at parties. And some of you wish you were there because you don't know God and how important this is. You don't know God. But you're hearing tonight and you showed up. And it says this. Contrite brokenness. Sorry, not just, sorry, God, do it again. Sorry, do it again. Sorry, do it. No, it means this. A want to change directions. I want to please God. I want to. I don't want to do that. My students say, you haven't drank since you were 16? You're 31. Six? What are you? I didn't drink through college because I wanted to please God. That changed me. I was married all through college and never cheated on my wife. Because I wanted to honor God with my life. Ladies, don't you want someone like that? Someone who will treat you with honor and respect, who loves God, and will treat you like a lady and will never, ever hurt you in any way. They might disappoint you because we're human, but they respect. Why? Because God is in them, working through them. You can't love unless you know love, and love's name is God. Is Jesus Christ. A want to change. A desire to change. True sorrow. Brokenness. Weeping tears. Broken heart. Doesn't have to be tears. But a brokenness on the inside. This is it. I've told you God. A million times I want to change. I've prayed a million prayers. But it's not working. You're not doing anything. True sorrow leads to repentance. Repentance. If you do this on your own, you will fail. It will be an absolute, like we say and you say, an epic fail. It will be absolute horrible. Do you understand that? You cannot do this. Second Corinthians 7:10 says, "Godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death." Ah, oh, I don't want to get, go to God because I'm so sad of what I'll be leaving, all the drinking and all the drugs and the sex and the curves and bodies and partying and dancing and all these things. If you are sad because you're leaving that, then the conversion is not real. It's false. You don't want God, you want the world. You understand? Because the world's enticing and it pulls you in. And with the advertisements and the ladies and the men and it pulls you in and it entices your eyes and you want it, but God says don't! I'm drawing you with an everlasting love. A real love. Judgment day is going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly and very sad for the one who created us. A repentant heart. Listen. It goes on in 2 Corinthians 7.10. I'm sorry. It, it, you, it must be genuine. It has to stick. And, and Paul preached repentance to believers. Paul preached repentance to churchgoers. You understand? It sticks in the life of a repentant person. It's genuine. They don't have regrets. They don't wish they were still living like the world and like their friends. They're not jealous of what their friends are doing every week. I made new friends. And my old friends who I used to party with would say, man, I, I don't know how you do it. You have a, you have a backbone, man. I'd I, I look up to you for that. And, and they're still struggling at 31 with drugs and alcohol and broken marriages. It will not get better, people. It will not get better until you turn to the One who created you and died for you and has the ability to judge you. The only One. A righteous fear of God and a desire to right, to right all wrongs that's why Paul preached repentance to believers, because there's a lot of people say, oh, I'm a Christian, and they still love to sin. They love it. And that's why you can't tell a difference between the one who calls himself a Christian and the one who's just living the way they want to. Because we all love sin. So a repentant heart, one that has changed, one that wants to change, equals a captured heart. My heart is captured by you, Lord. These are some examples of hearts that have not been captured. I mean, I've read so many Facebook statuses of people that call themselves Christians in the past couple of months of doing horrible things. And then at the end of one of the statuses I saw, but thankful for a God who loves me anyway. That is giving God a wrong name. Do not buy it. Do not believe it. It is wrong. That is using God's grace as a license to do what you want to know that God will forgive you. God knows your heart. And he will judge you. You can't fool him. Putting our trust and you might don't laugh at this because some of you are confused and you don't know where to turn. But we put all of our trust in these horoscopes. I get up in the morning and what I do every morning, some of you, I get in on the morning and I go to Facebook and I find things to pray for. And I see there's always five to ten people on there at five forty five. I don't have to get up till six thirty if I wanted to. I could get up at six thirty every day, but I get up at five forty five, five fifty every day to seek God and to pray and to worship and to read my Bible. Some of my students in this room right now are thinking, Are you what? Yes, every day and I pray for you. And I see statuses and everybody putting their trust in all these horoscopes on Facebook. You might think, well, that's where I get, that's where I know. That is of, that is not of God. You understand that that comes, that's satanic. The Bible says don't put your trust in the stars. (laughs) And you don't even know that. Because we don't know what the Bible says. Some of you are going to stop looking at your horoscopes because now you know. Some of you will not stop because you're confused and you won't put your trust in him tonight. Being swept away by some saying on a t-shirt like, I will never leave you. I saw that on a Twilight t-shirt. That again is blasphemy. What do you mean, who will never leave you? My Bible says, Jesus, out of his mouth says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And Twilight's using it. That's blasphemy. That's against God. And we're entertained by it. And we're swept away by it. And the girls are all over it. And we're messed up. And not by having some bumper sticker that says, God is my co-pilot. That's someone who's arrogant and trying to be in control and call the shots. You need to get in the back seat. In fact, you need to get in the trunk. Shut yourself in the trunk. give Give God the key and whisper through the keyhole, you're in control. Do what you want. I'm following you. Or this. I want you to watch this video. This is unbelievable. Check this video out. This is a perfect example of a heart that has not been captured. Watch this.
1: Okay. That's fine. <laughs> She'll talk. Okay. She will. She yeah, she so she, she can talk. Yeah. I can hear her. Katie. Katie
0: me, what is the most important thing to you? Ever? Talk about what. You what want, is this huh?
1: blog about? Uh,
0: things that are important in people's life.
1: My family. Is
0: it? Is that number
1: one for you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Honestly, my family. Yes. My family. But they live in Texas.
0: Second. What comes in second?
1: Any of these people? Fashion. Fashion. Yeah, I love it. I work in fashion. So first family, second fashion. You got your priorities, right? Yeah, it feels really good. I love fashion. Tell me, do you believe in peace? What do you believe about peace? It would be great, but... Is it going to happen? Probably not. Yeah. How do you get, do you have pieces? I love this. In my life, yeah. <laughs> I do, but, you know, like worldwide, no, it's probably not going to happen, but, you know. It's a little, you know. little bit deeper because
0: they're getting ready to go, so i got to go right to the... They're cool. Okay. What
1: about God? Can you believe about God? I love God and I love Jesus Christ, my Savior. <laughs> no, I'm just a normal Christian. I'm from Texas. I love God. I love Jesus. I pray every night, you know. You do? Okay, so he's
0: not very important,
1: though, to you, right? He
0: is, yeah. You didn't even come up on your top?
1: I don't discuss religion. That's my personal thing.
0: When Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the gospel, you disobeyed?
1: No, I love God, but do I have sex premaritally? Yes, I do. So you love
0: your you love your sex life more than you love God?
1: I love God, and I love Jesus, and I pray to him because I love him, and he is what gives me life, but... I don't necessarily believe what the Bible says because it was written by man. Thank you. Good night, guys.
0: So check this out. Listen, apparently, evidently, this, this girl, the, this is the criteria for being a Christian. Okay, um, she, She's from Texas, so she's automatically a Christian is basically what she's saying. She has sex primarily, so that's okay because Christians do that too. Not someone whose heart has been captured by the love of God. They don't. They don't. They're a Christian, but, well, I don't really share my faith. I don't really discuss religion. And then she says, but I don't necessarily believe in the Bible because it was written by man. Thank you. Good night. Do Do you understand what she's saying? And that's what the majority of you think a Christian is. And you're confused. That's not a Christian. Please hear me. She listened to me very carefully because there's a lot of people who are calling themselves Christians who live like that. Listen to me carefully. You're not going to heaven. I am saying that with confidence. You will not make the rapture. Do you understand that? Because your heart has not been captivated, has not been captured by God. You do not have a captured heart, head over heels, in love with God. Some people think, oh, I'm saved because I go to church and I do this. It's like ritualistic. I do my ten jumping jacks and I know that I do enough good deeds and if my, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. I'll make it. No, you won't. Because that is not what a Christian is. Well, I'm a Christian because compared to that guy, I'm better than that guy. So I think, I, no, you're not. That is not how you get to heaven. Well, I'm Christian because my dad is a pastor, or my dad's a Christian, so that automatically by heritage makes me... No, it doesn't. Well, I'm a Christian because I can earn my way to heaven. No, you can't. It's only by a sincere heart change, past forgotten, present managed, and a future secured by the work that Jesus did on the cross. In that and that alone. You understand. Only a sorrowful repentance happens before that decision and your heart is ready for it. And you are forever changing afterwards. You can be sincere or you can be this fake facade, pseudo-intellect, I'm smarter than God. We do things without a whole lot of understanding. In the movie, The Karate Kid, where he's saying... No, do this and that and we'll paint the fence and, and, and wax the cars and sand the floor. And he's like, why? And he's getting angry, actually, at it. He's actually angry about it. And he asks him to do it again because he goes, I'm done. And he goes, no, you're not. Other side of the fence. He's like, forget it, I'm done. And he starts shouting out expletives. He throws his stuff down he walks off. But he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand that there's a plan. Why? You're doing this. Well, I'm doing all this work. I'm doing. God knows that all this stuff that He's saying, do our guidelines and how He wants you to live right and righteously before Him will keep you and protect you and help you. He knows that. You may not and you may never see it, but then that would take away the whole element of faith, believing, even though you can't see. Doesn't make sense to me in my mind what's going on here tonight. This. This thing's going on in my heart. I know that I live like I shouldn't. I kept asking a person how they were, and they they were always saying to me, well, maybe I'll be better after the restoration. But You understand that you probably won't be. I mean, only if you let God do something, you can and will be. But if your heart is hard and your mind's on other things, you're not even let, letting God, the One who loves you and created you and designed you and died for you, be hurting your own life tonight. You're shutting it out. No matter what the facts, the statistics, the trends, no matter what it is, everything we get to argue about, the end of the world, it has to transfer into life change. Your life much change. I don't want my life to change. Then the Bible says you are not fit for the kingdom of God. Is that rough enough? for? Well, I don't want then you will pay a price but there is a love story an unbelievable love story a real love story. It's almost like marriage and Jen, are you out there? back there. Come on out again. This, I was married to my wife January 16th of 1999. We've been married for over 11 years. And I'm only 31 so I was married all through college. Okay? This is my bride. This is my wife. This is the love of my life. She has captured my heart. I've never cheated on her with anyone else. I've never talked poorly about her in front of anyone else. I always lift her up in front of everybody else. It's like a marriage. God loves you so much, He sees it like a marriage, like a wedding. I'm not going to quit on her just because she fails me or disappoints me or because she asks me to do something that's too difficult. I'm I'm not... December, she was going through tests for cancer. And that, that made me angry. That made me sad. But I wasn't going to throw the talent on my marriage because there was something wrong with her and give up and get angry with God and go find someone else who doesn't. Ha- when things happen with God and you're disappointed and God lets you down and it doesn't happen the way that you want it to happen, you don't throw in the towel and give up on God. It's a marriage. It's I do. That's my wedding picture from over 11 years ago. And I love her unbelievably more now than I did then. It's still... You don't just quit when things get hard with God. And if I started to become distracted... If I let myself become distracted by another woman, or more money, or more power, what is that saying? That crushes her. That will crush her. It crushes God when you turn your back on Him because something's not going your way. It's an absolute marriage. It's I do at the altar. When you're making your vows before God, marriages are supposed to last forever, the Bible says. A lot of your parents have been divorced. Her needs come before mine. I sacrifice my needs for her. This is not a perfect marriage. There's trials. There's hardships. There's tears. There's all kinds of things that take place. But you fight. You endure. You remember the vow that you took before God. It's a perfect wedding between you and God. Will you say, I do tonight to the lover of your soul who has the ability to rescue from hell that was not created for you, to live with him forever? Can you do that? It's a love relationship. Back and forth, back and forth, conversation, communication in your prayer closet with God. If you are not praying, if you are not reading your Bible, if you are not seeking God, Your Christianity will fail you and you will become discouraged and frustrated and confused and you will give up and throw in the towel and run the other way towards the world and become confused like you are and cut yourselves and commit suicide and become drunks. Do you see it happening every day? I can't say I do and never talk to my wife again. The relationship dies. We leave notes, we lift each other up, we communicate, we talk to each other about each other's days. We talk before we go to bed, we talk at the table, we text and call each other all day. I love you. If you don't do that with God, it will die. It will die. And that's why some of you are dead tonight. And you look like the bag of bones in the casket with your relationship with God. Or maybe you've never had one, and that's you as well. But tonight, you know. You know, back and forth, God, all right, not by willpower, Lord, but by your strength. If I don't do this every day, what's the point? I can't do this. You understand? What I want you to do is you can go, thank you, babe. What we're going to do is you're going to have a chance to respond tonight. But I want you to watch this real quick on love. Check this out. Are we uh yay or nay? We don't have sound. I'm going to move on. Okay. Okay. Um. As these guys start to play, um. This is kind of what I want you to do. First of all, I want you to think. Um. Romans five eight says this. Even in your sin, Christ died for you. Even as you were sinning. Even as you have thoughts of sin tonight, something that you might want to do or whatever, and you're thinking about that, God said, while you were doing that, He still died for you. So as you watch the screens and watch what He went through, and as they start to sing, um, please remember that you are not worthless. Like the young boy that we were concerned today about taking his life, and we weren't sure what was going on, and we still haven't heard anything. It was just a scary thought. We just want you to know that you're not worthless. You have value. You have worth. And that's what Easter was all about last week. While some of you were eating candy and hunting for eggs, Jesus was raising rising from the dead for you so that you might live with him forever. And some of you may have went to church and heard the same message over and over again, but it's kind of like this, the the movie, the movie I Am Legend, it talks about, you know, everyone's being cured and they're offering this, this thing, this, this cure for cancer. And they're saying everyone's cure, but really nobody was cured because everybody ended up, you know, as mutants and all messed up and going through all this, these things that almost turned them not human and and because they thought that they could be cured from this worldly stuff just like we do. We think, we think that that drugs will cure us. That the weed that you smoked before this event will cure you. That will get you away from your temporary temporarily get you away from your jacked up reality so you can get away from it or have fun because you're confused and you don't know what to do. So you do that and you cover it up by laughing and having a good time and you're scared and you don't know what to do and you're confused and we look and try to find these things from the world that will make us happy. And at the end of I Am Legend these these people these they're they're just vicious weird messed up distorted looking people that have been messed up by this cure are ramming their heads into this glass wall and Will Smith is on the other side of this and he's holding the cure And he's shouting out to this person, the answer is in the blood. And they're wanting cured and they're mad and they're angry and they're wanting fixed. And he's shouting out, it's in the blood. The answer is in the blood. Listen to me. The answer is in the blood. And they're trying to find it, find it, find a cure all these other ways and they're getting angry because they want the cure because we're angry and we don't want the blood we look for everything else to be the cure and it makes us angry and frustrated and confused they were mad because they wanted the cure well tonight there is a cure it's in the blood first john 1 9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us I mean, even if you just got done on the street, you just broke out of prison, you just broke parole, you just violated your house arrest. And then on the way here, you murdered six people and raped one and sold drugs, bought drugs, smoked drugs, did a line of drugs and then did this and cussed out everybody and then pushed down an old lady and did all this stuff. You still could come into this place and God's mercy and grace is so full for you, the act that he did on the cross covers it all. The answer is in the blood. It covers it all. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near, because he will not be near one day. When that one thousandth of a second happens, and they're gone, and then the second coming of Christ comes, and you're being judged, there's a day his mercy will run out on you, and you have no more chances. And he looks and he measures your whole life. The tombstone, it will say 1992-2010. And he's going to judge you on your dash. What did you do with that dash? Your lifespan. What did you do? And you'll be judged. And while you still have breath in your lungs right now, while he is near, he can be found tonight. He's looking for you. It's just like an overpowering waterfall of love that keeps coming. And you can't do anything to escape it. It just happens. Oh, You can't escape the love of God. It's here tonight. Oh, how he loves us. He loves us. Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. It's not just a prayer, it's a deep longing for the lover of your soul and disgust for the sin because it separates us from God. Your sin is what separates you from God. My sin separates me from God. And I, we, we nailed our king to the cross with our sin. Our sin put him there and he went someone came between me and my wife it would be very bad for that person sin has come in between you and God if you don't deal with your sin you cannot even fake your way through to having a relationship with God because sin is the wall and you are here and he is here waiting And you're like, I still want to do all this stuff, God. But I want you to. You can't. The wall is still up and you will forever be separated from God. Unless you say, God, forgive me. Break me. Break me. It hurts me to hurt you. Look at that. Look at the picture. God taking the injection. God taking your pain. God taking your shame. You should have been on the cross. The Bible says we deserve hell, but because of what he did on the cross, you don't have to go there. It wasn't created for you. We were all meant for a happy ending, but not all of us will have a happy ending. Oh, how he loves us us. I want you to bow your head. If you've never prayed, just bow your head. Close your eyes. Do not look at me. Do not look or tap the person next to you. If you think it's a joke, let the person next to you have their time. If God is speaking to your heart tonight, I don't want you to do this. Do not fake this. Do not get up out of your seat. Stay there. Make the decision to reject Him. With you and your life and the decision you make. This is sincere. Do not do this. Christianity is not easy. It is hard. It is hard. And people fail and they give up. Marriage is hard. It takes work. But you're resting in the fact tonight that He loves you so much that He sent His Son to die for you so that you might be with Him forever. So when that day comes, when He calls you out of your grave or off this earth, you can be with Him, the lover of your soul, forever and ever. If God is speaking to your heart and you've never made a decision for Him before, the Bible says to repent from your sin. Ask God for forgiveness. A prayer that may sound something like this, God, I know that all of my sin is as filthy rags. I need forgiveness. Break my heart. Give me of my sin. Come into my life, change me. I want to please you. I trust in the blood. Let it cover me right now. Your perfect, spotless, sinless blood that was shed. I place my faith in you. I can't see you, but I want to know you. I trust you, Lord your plan for my life, the author and the finisher of my faith, the one who formed me in my mother's womb and had a plan for me before the foundations of the earth, an all knowing, loving God for his creation. If that is you tonight, this is what I want you to do as they sing. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Do not look at anyone. Do not look at anyone. Stand to your feet and say, tonight is my night. This is not out of willpower. This is not out of me wanting to try to do better and knowing that I'm going to fail. This is, I want to please God. This is not just so I can go to heaven. This is because I want to have a hatred for sin. It's messing me up and it's separating me from God. If you really feel this way, do not just stand up. God would rather you stay seated if you're not serious. If you are standing to your feet tonight, listen to my voice and listen to God, in your heart right now I want you to make a proclamation and a declaration to the public tonight and I want you to walk to the closest aisle whether it be the center over there if you want to go all the way against the wall on either side in the aisle find a place to kneel listen to me by yourself guys don't be praying with girls girls, don't be praying with guys. That can be a distraction. You want this to be real or is this a joke? Find a place by yourself. God, break me. Oh, how he loves us. Make your move right now. If you're in the front right here, if you just want to kneel where you are, do that. Do that. Find an aisle. Make a spot. And pray. Spend some time with God by yourself. Because, oh, how He loves us. How He loves us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus.